Welcome to Morning Commute. I'm Brad Doles. And I am Sam Albert. You know, Brad and I have been friends for many years. Uh, that's true. Probably, I don't know, five or more. And we've built this friendship on making conversations that we talk about basically anything we can think about. It's like no topic is off the table. And so we wanted to open that up and share that kind of talk with other people. Yeah. So we devised this podcast. It's a 20 to 30 minute podcast in which we just kind of freeform talk about the things that we talk about all the time. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Morning Commute. Welcome back, Sam. Thank you. Welcome back to you as well. Ready for voicemail number three? I sure am. We're going through our mailbag today. We have a bunch of voice messages and I am loving what this particular caller brings to our attention. Yeah, here we go. So I just got done listening to the uh, episode where you guys talked about friends after breakups and things of that nature and family after breakup. I had kind of a different spin on that. Uh, my first wife passed away uh, from cervical cancer, uh, which we caught way too late because she refused to ever go to the doctor. Um, and her family, I shouldn't say her family, her mother kind of backhandedly blamed me because I didn't make her daughter go to the doctor. And so I not only lost my wife, but I also lost, you know, that side of the family that I thought was family. Um, and when the chips were down, uh, that's not the way that it turned out. So that was a rough one for me. Oof, that's rough. That's super rough. You know what my initial thought is? What's your initial thought? Well, tell me if I'm overanalyzing this. And first of all, Eric, I'm so sorry that you had to go through any of that from the loss of your your first wife to the treatment from your mother-in-law. My gut reaction is that that anger really is probably more toward her daughter for not going to the doctor, but it was too painful for her to feel it towards her daughter. So she's funneling it toward the next best thing, which is the gentleman left behind, the husband. Yeah, I think I 100% believe that. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, I, I think that, I think a lot of times, well, for one thing, let's pretend that she went to the doctor and 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 still died. You know, went to the doctor on time. Mm -hmm. We have a a inaccurate belief in our heads that everything should be fair. And even though we we know logically that that isn't true, mm -hmm. I don't think that we feel it emotionally that that's true. And that's a long way of saying that I think her mom felt like somebody needs to be able to blame for this. Right. right. Yep. And when it was obviously her daughter's fault and I don't, I don't mean to victim blame there, but if somebody, the number one person in charge of your health is yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're right. I think that her mom did think, well, if, if someone needs to be assigned blame for this, then it has to be my daughter. And that can't be true. So right. Eric's fault. Exactly. And now that probably doesn't do much for Eric, who seems like a very introspective, intelligent person and probably probably had similar thoughts when he analyzed the situation as well. I'm assuming that he because he seems just very self-aware, but it's I just feel really bad. It, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the crappy thing about being alive, right? Mm -hmm. That things aren't fair. You can say, well, here's what her mom was doing, and this is why she did it, and she didn't really mean it, and this is blah, 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 blah. And you can like run out this 20-minute long explanation about how her, mother, her mother's brain worked and 
how she didn't really mean it. This is the, and at the end of the day, that doesn't change the fact that he, it happened and he lost a family from it. You know? Right, right. My only hope is that kind of getting to the psychology behind it for him, not to excuse her, but hopefully would diminish any actual feeling of blame. Right. You know what I mean? Would, would allow him to see it as a dysfunction in her and not as a reflection of any sort of reality. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm trying to think of times that that's happened in my life. Oh, yeah, I, I think all the times I, I, I said in the podcast already, right? The, the time that my friend who I went to both parties and said like, hey, I don't think you should be fooling around with this woman when you're married. And hey, your husband's fooling around with this woman behind your back. Mm -hmm. And like, say what, what you want about whether or not I should have said that. I think maybe on this podcast, we've already had the conversation about she can come back to me and say, how dare you didn't tell me when you knew this was happening. And he can come to me and say, this is none of your business. Mm -hmm. And it's not clear to me what the right thing to do is, but at the end of the day, I just lost him as a friend, her as a friend. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this came out in the original story, but the guy that, the, the girl that he was cheating on with, she was a friend of mine, like completely lost her as a friend. And the five or six other people that we hung out with, like nobody in this group ever talks to me ever again. And it's kind of just because I like raised the flag and said, hey, I think something's going on here when everybody just wanted to go like, let's just tend that it's not. And in this, yeah. at this point in time, maybe that's what I should have done. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't change anything that I brought up this information. Right. Like maybe I should have just said, all right, well then I'm just going to ignore it. It's none of my business. And at least I get to keep nine friends. Right. I, that was just a really long way of saying, yeah, life, life, not fair. And that's nowhere near as crazy as losing a wife and the entire family. But it's just right. another way of saying this crap happens. And I, I, I don't, know any other way of to say it other than I don't think it's personal from the universe. It's just a function of <laughs> a function of things being kind of random. I, I the experience and again we touched upon it in an earlier podcast too is that I have a cousin who I don't know if she's still doing this. I, I know she's still pretty much an alcoholic for sure. Mm -hmm. You want to make this the episode where you talk about it? We're pretty early in this episode. Oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Here's what happened. I alluded to my wealthy cousin um, whose parents pay for her life. She never had to really have a job. And she was living in Los Angeles in a very swanky apartment right off of Hollywood Boulevard, up here, Runyon Canyon, in this beautiful, you know, one-bedroom apartment in this uh, high-rise with a pool on the rooftop, you know what I mean? But she was always having having health problems and many of us in the family having needing to have weird surgeries where they couldn't really find anything quite wrong, but they would try a surgery and then she'd be on pain pills for a long time and then she'd get better and then something else in her body would go bad and she'd have to have more surgery, but they weren't exactly sure what was going on. Just very strange. Either her body was failing in her 30s, you know what I mean? Or she was living a life that might've been killing her. Now I 
tend to believe it's option B, you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, so we all knew she was a heavy, heavy drinker and would drink to excess. And I knew that she had experimented with drugs. She left to go have surgery number 110 and graciously allowed me to stay in her apartment in Los Angeles while she was home in her home state in the South with her family recuperating from her 110th surgery. While I was staying in this beautiful apartment, I happened to see what did I find? Oh, I know. I opened one of her drawers and this is my bad to like borrow a pair of socks or something. You know what I mean? And in the drawer was a little vial, empty, but it was clearly a cocaine vial. And I found a couple of those in her drawers. Um, Cause once I saw one, then I was like, Ooh, are there more of those? And so I take full responsibility for this. I went on a full on Nancy Drew snoop attack of her environment. Then I found cocaine vials and I found a mirror and a razor blade to chop stuff up. I found a hollowed out pen to snort cocaine. So clearly this is not something she just tried once or twice. Do you know what I mean? She was always having these mysterious, not that I'm suggesting you're on drugs, Brad, but she was always having weird fainting spells and strange- Memory things. lapses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's it really strange, just like strange, inexplicable things that we all it, in the family were like, your daughter is, we knew an alcoholic. So we were always kind of leaning on that. And I knew that she partied hard. So we just didn't understand how her parents didn't know that there was something deeper going on. Well, she had to have surgery. And I found all this stuff that would suggest cocaine and maybe more. Oh, and uh, oh, I forgot to tell you this, a lighter and this tube that literally looked like something in which you would cook meth. I'm not kidding. And I even showed it to one of my more um, drug savvy friends. And I was like, what does this look like to you? And she said, it looks like she's cooking meth. You know what I mean? That she's doing meth. The lighter says meth are us on the side of it. Exactly. 1-800-MEF. And um, so I, I have, there's my mother and then I have two aunts and I called my mom and I said, this is what I found. I don't know what to, if, do I have an obligation to say something because my cousin's about to have surgery? And I can't imagine when they ask, are you doing drugs? She's going to say in front of her parents, yeah, I cook meth in my swanky apartment. You know what I mean? And I thought, well, if I have this information and she has surgery and then she dies under anesthesia because they didn't know that she snorts coke on, you know what I mean? I didn't know what to do. So my mom said, I don't know what you should do either. Talk to the aunt that isn't her mother. So then I talked to the aunt that isn't her mother. And I said, what do I do? And she said, oh, just keep everybody up on, you have, you have two aunts that are related to your mom. Correct? Exactly. Yes. And so one of the aunts, all together. yes, one of the aunts is obviously the mother of my cousin and one is just another aunt. And I went to her and said, I found this stuff. What should I do? And she said, clearly you have a responsibility to tell, I'm calling her Lily, my cousin, Lily's mother, what you found. So I wrote a note that said, this is the stuff that I found. I, I, I snoop and I'm sorry that I snoop, but this is what I found. And I wouldn't, be able to forgive myself if I didn't tell you and something happened medically because you didn't have this information. Mm -hmm. And it was a disaster. For weeks, my the aunt, uh, Lily's mother, let's just call her Aunt Sarah. For weeks, Aunt Sarah was like, okay, it's hard for me to believe that she's doing drugs, but I do see the other stuff. There was some eating disordered behavior and some alcoholism. And she's like, I do see the eating disordered behavior. Um, I know she needs some sort of help. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. And then not, she didn't do anything about it. Nothing. And then 
I went back to my other aunt and I said, have you heard anything? Cause she's not telling me anything. And my aunt said, you have to go beyond her mother. You have to tell her brother. So then I went to her brother and I said, I don't mean to go behind your parents back, but this is what my aunt told me to do to come to you and say, this is what I'm noticing with your sister. And I don't know if your parents are unable to act or don't want to act, but you should know what's going on. In which case I spoke to my Lily's brother has a wife who's a doctor and she even she said yes there's something bad going on I know this to be true as a physician so I just want to make it clear that there were people behind the scenes who were saying yeah you're saying what we've known all along right in the meantime Lily's mother hadn't told her that she knew any of this was going on and then one day somehow and I never found out how Lily found an email exchange between myself and her mother and was furious. And so this is what happened. My aunt calls me up one day, Lily's mom, and says, hey, Lily really wants to talk to you. And I said, oh, okay, great. Hi. And I get on the phone with Lily and I'm like, hey, Lily. And she goes, isn't there something you have to tell me? So there was no warning from her mother who was in cahoots with me about this. We'd been talking for a couple weeks about how to handle this. What, what can we do? Um, what does she need to do as a parent? How can I help as a cousin? She'd asked me to fly down there and be a part of the intervention, asking for my advice. Suddenly I am the antichrist. I mean, Lily was screaming at me. She's like, get out of my apartment right now. Hangs up the phone, right? So I talk to my aunt and I say, what? First of all, may I stay here for two more days until I find a new place to stay? And my aunt said, no, that's Lily's apartment. Even though we pay for it, it's her apartment. And if she wants you out, you have to be out. And after that, I was uh, the worst person in the family. So my aunt and Lily were acting like I had embezzled money from her apartment. Do you know what I mean? What about brother and doctor wife? Radio silence. Yeah. Never step forward to say, hey, you know, we, we are really worried. And as a physician, here are the things I'm noticing or, you know what I mean? Instead, I just got wrath from my aunt, wrath from my cousin, and nobody in my family would step forward and defend me. Not one single person in my family stepped forward to say, we stand with Sam. We see her point. She was only trying to help. Nobody came forward and said, we know Sam. Sam's heart, which this was particularly painful to me because within my family unit, you know, everybody sort of has their assigned kind of roles, whether they're healthy roles or, or not. You know, there's the pretty one and there's the funny one and there's the troublemaker. And the, I was always the quote, good girl, the nice girl, the one who cared about other people, who did things in service of other people, who um, was working from a place of empathy and kindness and concern. And for a lifetime of that to be erased, uh, in a situation where I was still trying to follow that protocol right. and suddenly now I'm a terrible person was so devastating to me. I mean, I was wrecked that nobody was helping me. They were all just allowing me to be the scapegoat. And I realized that that's because the, the whole family is sick. You know what I mean? And so nobody had the courage. Nobody had the, probably the ability to be like, oh, wait a minute. Lily is the one who's really messed up because if Lily's messed up, that means her parents are kind of messed up, that the family dynamic is messed up, that there's work for everybody to do. It was much easier to just be like, Sam, you're wrong. And the addendum to this, because I know I've been babbling for a long time, is that years later, I, I, every now and then I would write to my cousin and say like, I know that you're upset with me, but, but I will never shut the door on you. And if you ever want to, you know, work on a relationship, 
relationship. I'll always be here. And it was always, again, nothing from her, nothing from her. And then I started thinking about some of the things I did. For example, as soon as I found that one cocaine vial, I probably should have stopped and not gone through every nook and cranny of her house. That was way overkill. I could have just found that one and said, ooh, and told my aunt, I accidentally found this. I don't know what it means. If you want me to look further, I will. If not, this is information I think you should have, you know? So I did write to them years later and said, I've been really reflecting on my behavior and I can't apologize for tattling, but I will apologize for excessive snooping. I do think that went, that broke a boundary, you know? And so I really want to take responsibility for that and apologize. And all I got back was from my aunt, she said, yes, it forever changed our family. Not, I'm sorry too for throwing you under the bus. I apologize for not being able to step forward as a parent and take control. Um, and then to my cousin, I apologized to Lily and she was like, well, I guess there are no statute of limitations on apology. She didn't say, you know, years later, I look back and thank you for loving me enough to risk our relationship. I'm sorry for the ways in which I treated you in the moment. So to this day, there never, there has never been a moment where I felt like, I don't know, vindicated isn't the right word. What, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Where, I don't know. It's not vindicated because that sounds too bitter, although I am quite bitter about it. But uh, there's never been a moment where I felt like the, the, the main players ever came to me and said, we know who you are. We know why you did this. And we take some responsibility for bungling the situation as well. All right. So I have a quick question for you before I run out of time. Mm. And I realize some of these characters are fictional. Yeah. Your brother's daughter is, is rooming with her cousin and tomorrow you get a phone call uh -huh. and she says I was staying in in her apartment and I opened up a drawer mm -hmm. and I found some cocaine paraphernalia mm -hmm. what should I do oh you know what my gut reaction has been ever since that time I can Keep get your mouth. okay that's what I was gonna say keep your mouth shut Keep your mouth shut. And if she died on the table, oh well. <laughs> but, problem. That was her fault. That was her fault, just because I knew it. And those, and I. Those are the lessons that these t teach us, right? And I think some of them are the wrong lessons. Like in that particular scenario, I don't know if it is or not. But I think sometimes you can you can learn. Like the 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 overlying lesson that your brain kind of learns is uh, keep your mouth shut and and stay out of everybody's business, even to the extent that they die from it. That is exactly the lesson that I learned. And for years after, um, sometimes a situation would come up and I would think, well, I'm not going to say anything because it only gets you basically shot at. Yeah. What's punished. the point? Yeah. You get punished for saying what nobody else has the courage to say. I'm just not going to say it and keep the peace. Um, I think if, if I was put in the same scenario today, mm -hmm. not the cousin one, but the one where... Yeah. I was just going to ask if you knew that someone was cheating, what would you do? I think I'd keep my mouth shut. Oh, we both came to the same place. And I think it might be the wrong, wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I, I should say that I don't know if I would do that, but that would definitely be my gut instinct. If I didn't oh, yeah. think past it, my gut instinct would, would be keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't get involved. None of this is your problem. And I think that's probably the wrong answer. I think what I did initially was probably the wrong answer, but I don't know what the right answer is. Well, I, I totally agree with you. I think what I did initially had big elements of wrong in it. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
I think that I could have handled the situation better for sure. And that's why I apologized years later because I understood that I had made some mistakes. And I guess what I was hoping for was that they had the self-awareness to recognize where they goofed too. And we could agree that we all messed up in certain ways, but no, no, it's still all me in their eyes. And I think to myself, A, how awful that they don't have the self-awareness, B, how terrible that even if they think I was completely in the wrong, that they can't get past it now all these years later and just remember who I am at my core. They must not know who I am at all if they can so quickly throw away who I was before. And I think, well, I'm going to keep my mouth shut from here on in. So that was a, <laughs> I hope we didn't ignore Eric's story too much. Mm -hmm. I think I got deep into that and wanted to hear your story. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want it to make it sound like we just wanted to make it all about us. But what yes. I'm trying to do is relate, right? Well, and, and may I say, I don't want in any way, shape or form, Eric to think that my story about my loser cousin and her bratty wealthy parents is in any way means that I understand what it felt like for him to lose his wife and that have his mother-in-law blame him for it. Like I understand if we're looking at on a continuum that he's in a completely different place in terms of the depth of pain that that must have caused on all levels. Yeah. But it is that idea that you, you're unfairly blamed for something and for him he had to, it's double grief. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I guess the, the horrible other reason for that is just to make an episode out of it. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, just, just maybe for Eric to know that to, to a certain degree, we both understand and can, on a certain level, empathize with how terrible that feels. So you're not alone in that place. Yeah, yeah. I guess the underlying thing, again, is the universe isn't fair. Mm -hmm. And the underlying thing, which is one of the things I love about our discussions and stuff, is... Um, Whatever we're feeling, whatever we've experienced, there are probably people out there who have, sh if not shared the situation, have shared a similar feeling. In that sense, none of us are ever alone. Right. And then the third thing is keep your mouth shut and keep to yourself. That's right. Don't <laughs> care about anybody else. It might get you in trouble. Right. <laughs> All right. That's our episode. If you have a, a voicemail to leave us, uh, leave it at anchor.fm forward slash morning commute Sam Brad or at the Anchor application for your phone or you can always email us. It is morning commute Sam Brad at gmail.com. That's right. Thank you very much, Sam. And thank you, Eric. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing such a vulnerable story. It's greatly appreciated. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.